0: All right, well, today we're going to talk about sin. (laughs) Just wanted to make a little quick segue there. Yeah. You're like, could we just talk about money? (laughs) All right. Look at your neighbor if that's the first time here and say he's not usually like this. We just don't talk about sin on Sundays. Talk about feel-good things, about, you know, your best life and all that stuff. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to read Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to start verse 16. Paul is writing this to the church in Galatia. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Here goes the list. you ready? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I'm sure that covers it. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Father, we thank you today for your word. Lord, I believe you've given us the power to overcome, not just look successful, Lord, but overcome sin. And we pray that you teach us that today, that you would empower us today to live an overcoming life, to be able to overcome temptation, overcome sin. We ask you to do that today. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Paul's right in the middle of his career when he writes this letter to the Galatian church. On Paul's first missionary journey, maybe thirteen, between 13 and 15 years after he's converted, after he believes in Jesus, he, him and a guy named Barnabas, they, they go to a church in Antioch and they're preaching at this church in Antioch, the thing's blowing up. And they leave and they go out on this missionary journey and the church in Galatia, the churches in, in the, it's a Roman province province called Galatia. And in the southern part of that province, Paul establishes these churches. He, um, like anything that you start, you probably should check on it. Put some on the stove, you might want to come back every now and then and take a look. Put some in the oven, you might want to check on it. So Paul is checking on his people. Starts these churches. He's checking on them. He's had some interaction with them. He writes this letter to the Galatians and he is, and he is kind of, he's a little bit rough with them. I'll be honest with you. If you read Galatians, he's a little bit upfront, a little bit rough, like a fatherly figure going, Hey, cut it out. So I need to give you a little background about why he's writing it. Because there's a, there's, a, there's a mentality that happens in these churches that Paul started because a lot of those people that were converted were Jewish. Now, it's easy for us because we live and have always lived in an era that we call the era of grace. It's easy for us to, to say things like, well, how are you saved? Well, I'm saved because I believed in Jesus. That he died on the cross, rose again. This is last week, right? Easter. That he died on the cross, rose again, and and him dying on the cross, rising again, gave him him the ability to forgive me of my sins. So it's not about living up to some standard. It's not about following uh, like three or four rules and then I'm made perfect. No, I'm I'm made righteous to God because of what Jesus did. Everybody, follow me. Amen. Okay, so that's easy for us to think about because that's the only that's the only. Experience we've had. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring these things together here in a second. But in Paul's time, you have to remember there were Jews coming to Christ that their their whole lives, their parents' lives, their grandparents' lives, their great-great-grandparents, their great, 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 great. I think that's far enough. Grandparents were under what we call the law. And it was a Moses got the 10 commandments, came down and said, this is the way God wants you to act. This is how God wants you to live. And when we get to Jesus's time, there's 10 turned into a whole bunch more. And so it as an observance, it was how you, could I do everything right? Well, what all of humanity figured out was nobody could keep all the laws. Here's what I know about everybody in the building. There ain't nobody in here can drive the speed limit. And if it, if that was the standard for us, if that little thing was a standard for us to get into heaven, every single person in this room would be in hell. I want you to think about that. Somebody say, "Thank the Lord for grace." I like that gas pedal, baby. You know what I'm saying? So. These people culturally had come from a circumstance where it was adherence to a law that made you righteous. Jesus didn't come to put away all that stuff. He said, now, I'm fulfilling it. I'm completing it. Now, you obeying the law doesn't make you righteous. I have already completed the circuit, completed the circle. I have been the last sacrifice that will ever have to be made on your behalf. And I am now your salvation. That's good news. That is the good news. So how many of you know old habits die hard? Old habits die hard. So Jesus dies, resurrects, and the gospel goes forward. We talked uh, the last couple of weeks, Peter's preaching. People are getting saved. The power of the Holy Spirit's being outpoured on people. And all this, the church is expanding, expanding, expanding. Now we fast forward. Paul Paul has planted these churches in Galatia. And now now what's happening is there's people in the church that sort of like the new way, but sort of like the old way. And they were saying that, okay, you can be saved if you believe in Jesus, but also do this. Oh man, when anybody throws in a but also do this, I instantly go, I'm probably going to break that rule. Now, you also have to remember in a culture where circumcision wasn't like the thing that happened when you were in the hospital being born. That the church was now saying, in a whole lot of different churches all over the place, they were saying, we like the old culture plus Jesus. Obey the rules and Jesus and you can get into heaven. So what were the rules? Males had to be circumcised. I wish it would have been obeying the speed limit. So you think, so So Paul is, I mean, coming down with a hammer on this circumstance because Paul inherently knows if it's Jesus plus something, it's not Jesus. It can't be Jesus plus this. When he said, it is finished, he didn't say, it is finished plus obey this, this, and this. He said, I'm, it's done. I've completed the circuit. Now salvation is through faith alone and Christ alone. Amen. It's by grace that you are saved. Not of any works, not of anything that you do. Because if it was, you'd be able to brag about that. It would be you saving yourself. So what happened was these this old culture was creeping back into the new gospel, creeping back, creeping into it and going, Hey, listen, we we yeah, we believe Jesus is the Messiah, but, no, but there's still a couple things you gotta follow. And if you don't follow these things, and Paul's going, No, 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 it's gotta be Jesus or nothing. And so he's dropping the hammer on, on the Galatians and saying, Listen, you can't get this wrong. You can't get this wrong because if you dip back into believing that you are in control of your salvation by what you do, then we didn't need Jesus to die. And can I also say every person sitting in this building in the sound of my voice realizes that if I'm in control of my salvation, I'm in trouble. I've told you before, I get paid to be good. There's things in me that ain't good. Amen? Don't matter matter where you're working, what your salary is, everybody inherently knows the struggle with sin that takes place in every single one of us. There's nobody immune to it in the human race. There's nobody that's ever walked in this church and went, I ain't got no problems. Some of you walked in here this morning because you inherently know that you 're powerless against sin in your life if it 's left up to you. I know that I know that about me paul would Paul would write the things i don 't want to do, I do, and the things I do I do want to do i don 't do there 's this battle that rages within me i don't, i just can 't it 's just a battle it 's a fight. Anybody else been fighting anybody else that there 's things i don 't want to do anymore. Wake up the next morning and you do it again. Wake up the next day and you do it again. You're like, man, I feel so powerless against it. Because sometimes we're convinced that if I just, if I cannot, if I can stop doing this, then I will be right with God. So you say, what's all this have to do with being empowered to overcome sin? I need you to know up front that the only power in your life to overcome sin is not your will, but the Holy Spirit living in you. We're going to get to that, but you have to establish up front. Paul's writing to the Galatians. We read in chapter five. Hey, you know what sin looks like. You know what the fruit of the Spirit. Looks, you know what having a relationship with God looks like. Now I'm going to show you how to how to overcome these things. But he had to. But he had to start by saying you got to get the basic thing right. It's about grace through Jesus. That's how we are saved. Because if we link it to anything else, it will keep us powerless. So watch this. Satan's ploy in your life is to convince you that salvation is up to you. Because he knows you're powerless against sin. How many times have you tried to quit? Fill in the blank. 50, a thousand—we've 1, all been there. We've all been there. We're sitting around, you're talking to your really best friend about stuff you don't talk to anybody else. Man, I've been trying to quit. 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 I've been trying not to be as angry. I've been trying not to cuss as much. Been trying not to look at that, been trying not to listen to this, been trying to treat people better, been trying not to flip out on my boss. I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying. And, and my fear is the church's testimony is become we've been trying. You know why Paul writes to the Galatians? To tell them it's not about trying, it's about Jesus. Now He didn't say give up, lay down and be like, well, if he's going to save me, he's going to save me. He's trying to get us to understand that it's not about us doing like, oh, well, I've lived up to all the commandments. Lord, look at me. Perfect little Chris. I've lived up to all of them. I know that's not possible. So he's saying, listen, you will be rendered powerless if you don't realize that it's Jesus that is empowering you. And he's the only one that can. We clear on that? Crystal clear? We're saved through the grace God sent Jesus to the cross with. He did that for you and me. It was the grace he was expressing towards us that caused God himself to come to earth. It wasn't about us, about us living up to some set of rules that we, that we never could live up to. So Paul's telling them meaningless actions produce powerless results. Listen, If Satan can convince you to put your faith into something that's powerless to overcome sin, then you're going to be trapped in that sin. Did you hear that? If he can convince you to put your faith in something that's absolutely powerless to overcome sin, then you're trapped. Then you're trapped. He writes in a couple chapters before this, in Galatians chapter 3. I told you he's a little brutal. He's trying to make sure they get it. Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as, as crucified. Let me ask you this. Did you receive the spirit by works or of the law or by hearing with faith? So he's saying to them in chapter three, listen, did you receive the spirit of God because of what you were doing or who Jesus is? He said, those are two drastically different things. If you receive the spirit of God because you were doing the right thing, then we didn't need Jesus but he said, did you receive it because of your good stuff or did you receive it because of Jesus? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? He's saying you believed in Jesus and now you're pulling this other stuff in with you. Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, do so by works of the law or by hearing and faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So he's saying, listen, you have seen and experienced unbelievable stuff. Now now watch, watch this. Paul's playing with them a little bit here because he's saying, listen, you guys lived by the law, by works, for generations he's saying now you've experienced the outpouring of the holy spirit and you've seen unbelievable you saw jesus rise from the dead on the day of pentecost you were filled with the spirit and and you're seeing miracles and signs and wonders and the church in galatia is growing and it's unbelievable things are happening did that happen before When it was up to you to be perfect, did any of that stuff ever happen? He's saying now that Jesus has come and empowered you with the Holy Spirit. Why would you go back to that? Anybody remember trying to do it by yourself? The most disappointing times in my life where I was trying to do it by myself. Trying to impress God. Lord, if I just, if I could do this, you'd be happier. If I could do this, I could measure up. If I could do this, I can, and then, and then it, it sank in one day. I don't have to measure up to God. I can just accept the grace that He's given me, and He said He would empower me to do what I can't do. Like, be nice. I had somebody, they're here this morning. I had somebody tell me we were out to lunch and I had somebody tell me, um, man, you know what? It's just been nice that you were, that you've been so calm through this. I just started laughing. I'm like, I'm glad you didn't know me 15 years ago. You would never have said that. But the power of the Holy spirit overcomes what Chris can. The power of the Holy spirit overcomes what you got from your parents In the form of DNA. I think temper is in your DNA. Somebody say amen. Come from a long line of Joneses. We are good at it, boy. Good at it. Like PhDs in temper. He said, why would you go back? So listen, if we follow anything else but the spirit of God, we become less effective in overcoming sin. Now, here's what the world's going to tell you. You read the right books. You know, the self-help books. The books you read to lose weight and then you get to unread them and you're like, it was a good book. <laughs> Self-help books, coaches, counselors, friends, apps on your phone. Anything that doesn't point you to a closer walk with the spirit of God will not be long-term effective. Okay, nobody sent me email and said, well, my pastor said don't go to counseling. That's not what I said. My pastor said, don't read self-help book. That's not what I said. My pastor said, don't download an app that's going you know, to me, have me run a 5K in three months. That's not what I said. I said, if the things that you're trying to overcome, the tools that you're using, do not point you to the Spirit of God, it will never be long-term effective. That's why we go like this. Don't we? Boy, I've tried it. I've tried the app, I've tried I've tried this, I've tried that, I went to counselors, I read the books, I did all that stuff. And one day I'm up, and the next day? Because if I didn't go and use resources that pointed me to the only one that can empower me to overcome, then it's never going to be long-term. It's always going to be a temporary fix. Paul is trying to pound this into the, into the Galatians. He's trying to say, listen, the supernatural things that you're seeing happen, overcoming sin, miracle, all these things are by the spirit of God. They are not by what you guys were doing before. But he said, the crazy part is you're doubling down on things that didn't work before. Anybody ever done that in here? Just double down on things that don't work. In relationships, just double down on things that don't work. Well, I was angry yesterday. I think I'm going to be double angry today. Maybe she'll get it. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. It's not going to. Paul said you're doubling down on stuff that has never been effective. The whole reason Jesus came was because it wasn't effective. The law was to point out sin, not forgive us for it. So here's the problem with our culture today. It's always pointing to stuff that aren't effective. So, at the core of what's happening, I need, to, I need to point this scripture out to you, John chapter 15. So if you go back if you go back to what I read, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then in verse 25 of that same chapter, he's writing to the Galatians, he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep step with the Spirit. So if you go, if you reverse, go and reverse back to when Jesus was still alive, John records them in John chapter 15. He basically says this, your proximity to the Savior determines whether you overcome. This ain't a long-distance relationship, baby. It ain't gonna work. Your proximity determines the amount of power. So Paul, writing to the Galatians, says, live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. When he steps, I step. Keep in step. We're close enough to see. I'm close enough to see what he's doing. I'm close enough to know what he's doing. I'm living by the, he's the essence of how I overcome. He is all those things in my life. Okay, that's what he's, but he's not writing something new. He's regurgitating what Jesus said in John chapter 15. John records him saying, This abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do. That's not what culture tells you. You can do anything you want, you can be anything you want. Oh, you can have, you can do this, you can do that, you can do everything. Jesus himself is saying, listen, your proximity to me determines how much power you're going to have. Your proximity to me determines your ability to overcome anything. Your proximity to me. So he writes that. He says that. John chapter 15, the Gospels. And then Paul, in the middle of his ministry career, writes to the Galatians and says the same thing. If you want to overcome sin and produce fruit... Remember what we just read, Galatians 5? Here is what sin looks like, and here is what walking by the Spirit looks like. Paul actually calls it fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. This is what you will produce if you live according to the Spirit. If you let the God that saved you live in you and you walk with Him, this is what your life will produce. He's regurgitating what Jesus said in John 15. He says, if you stay connected, you will produce fruits, but if not, don't expect to overcome sin. You ain't got enough willpower. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't got enough willpower. I've been living with you. I already know. You ain't got enough willpower. Willpower may be good for a day, but it ain't good for a year. All all this hype about creating new habits. How do I even know what to create besides the spirit of God? How do I even know? Listen, you have to realize like, like what Paul was dealing with back then. Our culture has approved of everything now, except the spirit of God. How do I even know what to fight? Because everything seems right today. Doesn't it? Everything's permissible. Permissible. You can do whatever you, you can, you can engage in all kinds of stuff. You know what the problem with culture is? Let, let me, let me lean into this for a second. The problem with culture is, is that culture changes. And if you're relying on culture, if you're relying on adherence to culture to save you, then that salvation will change all the time. Anybody remember the fifties? Anybody want to say that they remember being alive in the 50s? Anybody? I mean, I think that's cool. I like the 50s. I like that music. Okay. Can we all agree that what was okay in the 50s is different from what's okay today? And if you're living your life adherence to a set of rules, I'm just warning you up front, it's changing so fast today, you will never be saved by it. Because I'm telling you, the culture is changing so rapidly. What is acceptable today and what you're allowed to do today will not be the same in six weeks. At least the 50s were a little bit consistent. This is changing so fast. You're gonna wake up and you will be adhering to a certain set of rules, and then the next week you're gonna wake up and go, hey, everything's changed. That's not salvation. That will never save you. It will never bring an overcoming power to your life. It'll bring confusion and fear and disappointment. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And that has never changed. We just came out of that whole thing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can count on it being the same. Jesus was enough, is enough, and will be enough to save you. The Holy Spirit... Is enough, will be enough to overcome sin. If Satan can convince us to believe in something else. Paul says, um, Paul says, man, there's this war that's happening within you. He said, there's this, the sin part, and then there's the fruit part. There's this war, and he said, it's at war and it keeps you from doing what you want to do. Can, can I can I say this? Good intentions will not get you into heaven either. <laughs> I told the first service, like I've told my wife before, hey, don't worry about that. I'll clean up the house. I might have been lying when I said it. I don't think I was. I had good intentions. Don't worry about it. I'll clean the house up. Anybody ever gotten past the deadline to clean up the house and then realized Whoa, I might have blown it. I mean, I'm showing up to the party and it's over. So what's the next thing that comes out of our mouths? I mean, I was going to. I had every intention. I had every intention of making that happen. I had every intention. Paul says intentions don't cut it. He says, listen, there's a war that's going in with side of you that keep you from doing what you want to do. So he said, the spirit lives inside of you. And if you're a child of God, the spirit is in you causing you to want to do good things. But if you don't, if you don't harness the power to overcome sin, then the war takes place incessantly in your life and the things you want to do, you don't end up doing. So he said, "Good intentions aren't just enough. You have to have be lockstep with the Spirit enough to actually overcome." So the next time I promise to clean up the house, I'm praying, Lord, give me the power to overcome. Paul said, "It's not an issue of just knowing that you should." For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Listen, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you're a new creation. Second Corinthians, Paul writes to that church. He said, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We are made new when we come to Christ and we're given new desires, but new desires alone don't equal new actions. And listen, there is no part of Jesus going to the cross and resurrecting that his intentions were for you not to also be an overcomer. So he put a new spirit in you. And he wants you to walk so close with the spirit of God in you that you actually have the ability not to just, not to just wrestle with sin, but to overcome it. To overcome it. There's not a person in this room that can't think of one thing right now. And if I could overcome that, it would change my life. If I could overcome that one thing, it would change my life. I'm not talking about cussing. I'm talking about real sins. I don't even know if that's a sin. I'm talking about real stuff, real stuff that you struggle with, with anger, what you look at, the way you treat people, the things that affect our lives. He didn't create a new spirit in us to have us just barely get by. He wanted us to overcome. What's the message of the church of the world? Hey, join us and you'll be sort of okay. No, it's overcoming. It's the things that, that restore relationships. Overcoming sin restores relationships. Overcoming sin changes the way we raise our kids. Overcoming sin changes the way we treat other people. It's a real thing. He never meant for the church to be powerless in that. Paul's educating the Galatians that after you were made new in Christ, there's a war taking place and we need to be equipped with the right weapons. We may know what is right, but the battle is at hand to actually follow through. You have to walk with the Spirit. Okay, can I go old school Sunday school on you? If you didn't go to church when you were a kid, old school Sunday school, can I do that? Because if you're looking for you know, like 17 ways that you can make this happen. I got three. And they're old school. I'm sorry, I'm just going to let you know. Old school, nothing tricky here. Three things I'm going to tell you about. you want to walk with the Spirit. Ready? Say amen. amen. Okay. You have to know what God has already said. You're like, oh, I thought he was going to say something important. You have to know what God has already said. Listen, the bo- there's more... The Bible is in more forms, shapes, and, and, and ways that it has ever been on the face of the earth. You can get a paper one. You can have a celebrity read it to you. You can put your headphones in and listen to it while you're at the gym or while you're eating ho-hos. Like, it doesn't even matter. You can, whatever you're doing, you can have the Bible in front of you. And we're the most illiterate generation to ever walk the planet as far as what God has already said. Why do you think it's so difficult to overcome sin when we don't even know? Most of us walk around, we don't even know that he told us we could overcome sin. So we think we're doomed into this into this up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. When he said, I went to the cross and died for you and rose again so that you could beat that. So that the spirit in you could beat that thing. we got to know what he's already said get the Bible app on your phone and make it wake you up in the morning and read five minutes of it. If you are frustrated with your life right now about sin in your life that you cannot overcome, the first place to start is find out what God already said about it. The darkest times of my life, the things that brought me out was I knew what God thought about me. I already knew what he thought about me because at four years old, I sat in a church and I had a, I had a beautiful old lady tell me, hey, listen, God loves you. God is for you. God's with you. All those things that I was fortunate to grow up in that. But if you didn't grow up in that, get into the word of God and let him tell you that you're worth it. Let him tell you that he died for you. Let him tell you that he's empowered you and it will change your life. Read your Bible. That's not a cliche. Read your Bible. When you get to a hard part, you don't know what it's talking about. Ask somebody. But don't ask somebody that doesn't read the Bible. It's crazy. Hey, man, I was reading the Bible the other day. Yeah, I don't do that. Hey, what do you think about this anyway? Second thing is, hear what God says about what he already wrote down. Okay, watch this. You've got to get what God has already written down. He ain't changing that. He doesn't change his mind. We just went through four weeks of the same yesterday today. He didn't change his mind. He wrote it down. He gave it to us. It is what it is. You fine with that? It is what it is. Now we do this little thing called pray. Most of us do this wrong. I'll just tell you right up front most of us do this wrong. Most of us talk the whole time we're praying. Stop it. Just be quiet every now and then. Because if you're quiet every now and then, the Holy Spirit, who already wrote down what God thinks, will confirm what he already wrote down in your life. So, can you talk a little bit? Yeah, but when Jesus prayed, he taught us how to pray. It was called the Lord's Prayer. It wasn't that long. Stop praying long prayers over your meals. I want to eat. <laughs> Lord, just like, thank you for all this stuff, and like, thank you for last week and this week, and like, thank you. I'm just sitting over there like, Lord, keep the food hot, because this person won't shut up. Golly. I mean, I get it. Most of us talk too much when we pray. The God of all the universe wants to talk to you. And he's going to confirm every promise he already wrote down in your life. He's going to confirm it. You know what the most beautiful thing in prayer is? Is when you've read the Bible and then you go to God in your prayer and you say, Lord, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what you wrote down. I'll just be quiet and let you talk to me. We're talking about overcoming sin here. He already knows what you're dealing with. Lord, this is what I've done. This is what I can't break. This is what has plagued my family for generations. This is where I'm at. And I don't know what to do about it anymore. But I know your word says that you can cause me to be an overcomer by the spirit of God that you put in me. And so I'm trusting you in today. And God himself will confirm that if you give him time. Pray. Read the Bible. I told you it wasn't tricky. You know what the third thing is? get counsel from people who do both of those things. Get counsel from people who do both of those things. Well, how am I going to talk to somebody who doesn't pray, who doesn't read the Bible, and get life advice from them? Hey, you know what, man? I've been struggling a little bit with sin. What do you guys think about that? Talk about sin. I've I've been struggling with some confidence. I've been struggling with this. I've been struggling with that. Why would I ever consult somebody that doesn't think Jesus is the answer. It's going to point me to something else. The Bible's clear about it. Let me read you some scriptures if you don't believe me. It's a funny thing I just did there. If you don't already read the Bible, I'm going to use the Bible to prove to you that should you read the Bible. Sorry. Paul writes to Timothy, his second letter to him chapter 3, verse 16. He says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and reproof, for correction and for training and righteousness, that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. You want to start overcoming, you want to start walking in lockstep with the Spirit? You then he said, This is the way the Spirit operates. He wrote it down. Paul writes to Timothy and says, If you want to overcome, if you want to be equipped for every good work, if you want to produce fruit, then read the scripture. Not complicated. Are there parts that you won't understand? Yep. But you didn't understand all of Moby Dick and you read it anyway. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that part of the Bible. Like we would understand God fully. I'm going to let that sink in a little bit. If you make understand God fully the prerequisite for overcoming sin, you're stuck. It's like telling a four-year-old, hey, I can't let you walk out in the street, but you're not going to understand that. God is trying to help us to over. He, he, he provided the Spirit for us to overcome. Paul says, get in the Word, Timothy, and you'll be equipped to do that. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul writes to the church there. Rejoice always. Verse 17. What I tell you, the second thing was to do pray. Paul says, listen, if you want to be overcomers, talk to God all the time. In every circumstance, when you're at work and your boss goes sideways on you, don't cuss them. Pray. And your boss says, what are you doing under your breath? I'm praying. I don't kill you. I'm overcoming sin right in this moment. The Holy Spirit's empowering me and you're safe because of that. (laughs) So I give God all the credit here. You're safe because Jesus died on the cross. That's a good strategy, by the way. <laughs> Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, a people fall. But in an abundance of counselors there is safety. Proverbs fifteen twenty two, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors they succeed. Get in the Word of God, pray without ceasing, and talk to people who do both. Paul's saying if you want to overcome sin, if you want to start producing fruit in your life, your proximity to the spirit of God is what will enable you to do that. And we cannot act like we're close to people. It's like this when you say, oh, yeah, I'm friends with them. You ain't seen them in 20 years. Oh, yeah, we've been friends forever. We say that as Christians and we stay ineffective in our lives because we just have an acquaintance with the spirit. Paul is not telling you to have a weekend acquaintance with the Spirit of God. He's saying live, walk by, stay in lockstep with them. And there's disciplines that we have to do to do that. He's not doing this just so you have a better life, get better stock picks or a job prospect. He's doing it so we can overcome sin. Overcome sin. He's doing it so we can overcome sin church. I want to be an overcoming church. We are not dealing with elementary things here. We're dealing people come into the church broken with no hope, looking for a way out. And if we who are already residing in the grace of God don't have a message that he is enough to overcome what you can't do yourself, then what do we have to offer? We're just another meeting. My fear is that the church isn't going more towards the spirit of God empowering us, but more towards whatever's acceptable in the culture. Let me tell you this right now. Jesus proved out that you can adhere to culture and be approved by men and struggle with all, or or you can adhere to God and maybe not be approved by men. I want an overcoming church. I want a gospel that means something. I don't want just a bunch of people walking into a church building going, well, I'm a little better because I'm hanging around better people. That won't last. What's a really cool place to be. We don't need behavior modification. We need the overcoming power of the spirit of God to overcome sin. There's things that you do. And I do today that he can give us the power to overcome and you not Your life and mental energy would be freed up if the Spirit of God would empower you to overcome what you're struggling with right now. How much anxiety would be ripped from your life right now if you could overcome that sin? I've been there piles. It's like you get an extra day in the week because the Spirit of God gives us freedom doesn't chain us up. He gives us freedom to overcome sin. Now this is so important. Stand up. We're going to finish with this. Here's why it's important. He wants you to overcome sin, but he also wants you to be prepared. He wants you to experience the overcoming power because he knows there's people around us that are going to need it. And so Paul in the very next chapter says this. Galatians chapter 6, brothers, if any one of you is called in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them. Now let me say something. He's not saying you who are perfect by your own works. He's saying you who have overcome by the spirit of God. You who already know how this works, you who have already been walking with the Spirit of God, have already overcome sin in your life, know how much power is available. When you see somebody beside you stumble and fall, you reach down with the same grace that the Savior of the universe reached down to you, and you reach down and you grab them, and you you just gently restore them back. Gently restore them. Now, here's what I know. If I can't overcome my own sin, there's no chance I can be gentle with somebody else. Paul's saying, listen, the Spirit of God will give you the power to overcome. And then when you're around other people who are fallen, you lift them up and you do a real gently and then don't get a chip on your shoulder and act like it was you. He says the very next thing he says is this. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. He's saying, listen, man, we're going to lift each other up. We're going to be overcomers, and we have a message of good news to tell the world you are not trapped in the life you're living right now. You, God has the power to remove sin and death in your life. And the church is a walking testimony of that. And how we treat each other walking through that tells the world whether it's real or not. Amen. He wants to give you the power to overcome today. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, lift your hands. Make that plea to him, Lord. We want to be overcomers. We want to defeat sin in our lives today. Come on, sing it out.